Good morning. I want to welcome everyone to uh, Come and Reason Bible Study, especially want to extend a welcome to the visitors. I see some new faces out there, and also welcome back to the regulars and those who are becoming regulars. Welcome, everyone. Welcome those who are uh, listening and watching online. My name is Russell Atkins. Uh, we are studying lesson number two in the quarterly. The lesson is entitled The Sun. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for another day of rest and for what uh, that day represents uh, regarding your character and for the gift of it. It gives us a physical and mental rest and a spiritual retreat. Guide our study this morning as we um, as we look more closely at uh, the life of your Son on this earth. This is a topic that we need to keep ever in the front of our minds uh, as it reveals revealed his character and reveals your character and it also reveals our character um uh, please be with our class corporately and individually be with those of our group who are not with us bring them back safely in the weeks ahead in jesus name amen lesson number two a sabbath's lesson our, our memory text is taken from mark ten forty five, and it's to, and this is a loaded passage and it's, you know again this is Christ speaking, and whenever he speaks, we should probably listen and dissect it and delve into its meaning. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Many thoughts on what, what's in this text. What does it mean, the Son of Man? First of all, there's designation as a son of man. And Sunday's lesson is uh, all about his, his referring to himself as a son of man. Well, why do you think he often referred to himself as that? Human. Yeah, all right. Christ was fully human. We, we will, we'll delve into that deeper a little bit later. Is it a reference to the second Adam? Oh, good, yes. And if you look at the genealogy of Christ and Luke... It goes all the way, you know, from Joseph all the way back, you know, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. It talks about the gospel that he teaches. It says he went throughout Galilee speaking the gospel. The time is at hand. And that references back to Daniel's prophecies. Mm -hmm. Daniel used that same term of the son of man. Good. Excellent. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. What's he telling us in this uh, in this little statement? He did not come to serve, but to be. He did not come to be served, but to serve. That's who God is. Is that okay? I agree. Is this just uh, hot air, or did his life on Earth? Did he back that up? Did he did he uh, walk the walk as well as talk the talk, or was he just uh, hot air? Yes, he did. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. He also expects us to do the same. He expects us to do the same. Why do you think he expects us to do the same? Because that's how we were designed. Oh. Be helpful. Yeah, interesting. We were created. We were designed to serve. Do you think he might also have been giving the disciples and his listeners a glimpse of what his kingdom looks like? And later on when he said, my kingdom is not of this earth, tying in with biblical prophecies of, uh, you know, the, the earthly kingdoms represented as ravenous beasts, devouring, taking, destroying. 
And his his kingdom represented as a contrast to what they were being presented with as what God's kingdom looked like or would look like. Right. I mean, it, it, one of the things that really hit home with me here in the past few years is that you you look back, you look in hindsight at, at everything that Christ did and said, and it's amazing that how he structured how he structured things, how he. He he met people where they are. He would he would say things that were very subtle and yet full of meaning. Well, I like this simple sentence here. Uh, this is a loaded sentence. You could spend a lifetime um, examining this uh, about what it means. Um, and his listeners may have that he may have just planted the seed in his listeners' ears who were looking for a. Uh, who were looking for a powerful um, monarch to come and, and take the Jewish nation and, and throw off the shackles of pagan Rome and, and restore Israel to its rightful place in, in the world, you know, the ruler of the world. Um, that's not what, that wasn't what Christ intended. Um, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What's implied here? to give his life as a ransom for many. Today, what are ransoms generally uh, given for? Kidnapping. Captives. Those who have been taken captive. They are, yes, good. They're unable to work for their own freedom. Why, why do you think he didn't say, uh, and to give his life to appease my angry father? It wasn't true. <laughs> it wasn't true. <laughs> That's an eloquent answer, <laughs> because it wasn't true. How have we sidetracked things so badly uh, in Christianity today? We've accepted a lie. Yes, we have. Same reason he didn't say, I, I've come to give my life to, to, so my shed blood can blot out your sins in a heavenly record book. But now, can discuss the payment a little more? Sure. That's the issue that uh, most Christians think, that it was the payment. And, uh, and I was just wondering, the payment, is it a payment and to who and for what? He said it was, it's to free captives. So if you think about, and I don't dispute that that's certainly what his life, death, and resurrection was to do for us, but... To whom were we captive? To what were we captive? And what does it take to free us from those things? Is there anyone here within my listening that can hear my voice that thinks that Christ didn't pay a dear price? Totally. For what he did, becoming a child, developing in wisdom and stature in favor of God and man, growing up into adulthood, uh, an entire life of service, and, and then laying down his own life. Okay, well, was there a dear price that he paid? Yes. The idea that he paid someone else, I think, is erroneous. I think it's a doctrine of devils. Okay, the price he paid was, he paid it in, in himself. He, uh, my understanding is he's now, he is now, t he's still a human. He's still in human form. He, he has given up what uh, was once omnipresence. But the God show us love in action. So we can see the contrast of love in action and truth and sin in action or what that sin affects. 
that it would take somebody absolutely innocent and nail him to a cross. That that is the true character of Lucifer. And that, if he had his way, is what the universe would turn out like. And it's, it's destruction. Uh, yeah, I agree. You guys are getting way ahead in my notes. Uh, again, getting back to your, your issue about uh, ransom and, and something being paid. It, it, there are there are perfect and imperfect metaphors, and I, I haven't I haven't happened to read the Greek and what what got translated the Greek word that got translated or Aramaic word that got translated ransom. I don't know if it's a an appropriate time translation. Uh, I don't know if it's an exact uh, you know duplicate an accurate one, but you know, generally yes, we humans. Someone, someone is kidnapped, taken captive. A ransom gets paid to someone. Okay, I'm not sitting here saying that that's exactly that's what happened because I don't think it is. But but Christ, there was a price to be paid, no question about it, and it was a dear price. You know, a parent uh, with a child that that's taken captive by uh, you know an addiction, some sort of addiction, alcohol, drugs, whatever. A uh, parent may pay a dear price uh, to to ransom that child back from the addiction. They, they may not they may not make an actual physical payment of it, but the parent will pay a dear price. I think it's our very narrow view, our traditional ingrained view of what a payment is. Yeah. If we are captive to sin, or if we are captive to lies. The ransom to free us is truth. Correct. That's not. You want to call it a payment? Cost versus payment, though. That's right. Effect. Yeah. I think you hit on the uh, answer to the question a while ago. Who are we paying the ransom to? Might help us to clarify what we're saying. Who are we paying the ransom to? I, I don't know that we're paying a ransom to anyone. Well, according to this. Karen. A couple of weeks ago, you guys were talking about it, and we just finished our Sabbath school lesson from mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. regarding the statement in the quarterly about uh, Adam being given dominion over the earth, and that uh, Satan then wrested control once Adam fell. And the quarterly insinuates that indeed it's ownership. And yeah. the word was bandied about our Sabbath school class that Satan is the owner of this earth. And I said, and if you believe that, then you have to have. God negotiating with the terrorist and the devil to pay back, pay ransom. It's to me, it's completely that false assumption Correct. that allows us to build a whole theology on that. So this is a very, very important point. Thank you. Well said. So Wendell, you had to hand up. Stewardship versus Stewardship, governorship. Uh, uh, yeah. you know, dominion in that, what, what, is, what was Adam's? was Satan's, but nothing more. There was no power to create or destroy or um, make those decisions that are truly God's. Mm -hmm. The book of Job speaks to the fact that here was an example that he was not in dominion of this earth. Right. That there were individuals who were truly following God who were not of his dominion. Mm -hmm. They were part of this world. You know, yes, we have been led astray. We have been duped, tricked, and lied to and we have bought the lie and so yes he has paid a, a infinite price right to buy us back to truth right to dispel the lies that, that Satan has made about our father mm-hmm. and until we know that truth we are still captive 
within some form, you know, I think your analogy to addiction or something else is very good. If we have a cultish belief in something, a price may be paid, a ransom may be paid, but it's not paid to someone. Right. It is truth that is being paid. And for, for those who think that Christ is the only one that paid the price, if, for the parents in here, think about that for a minute. Okay, how many of you as parents would like to see your child voluntarily give his life in order to save something else or someone else? Okay, the idea that Christ was the only one that paid the price is also a doctrine of devils because God paid a dear price when uh, when he restrained himself from saving his son and, and let his son reap the consequences of his son's own choices and let him go. Okay. God paid a dear price. He felt every insult. He felt every. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it is staggering. I mean, I don't have children, so I, I, I have a, a dim comprehension of it. Those who have children have a better comprehension of, of what it might be like, to, uh, to have your child. Give his life for somebody else. <laughs> Um, the lesson in Sabbath lesson, uh, and you know, here again, I I, I want to affirm, uh, mostly affirm the lesson uh, today, just like last week, because it's it's very well written and, and in many cases very beautifully stated, uh, with the exception of a couple of things on Thursday that we may or may not get to. Um, the lesson beautifully states, and it's talking about when Christ confronts the you know, disciples, who do you, you know, who do people say I am, and who do you think I am? Sooner or later, everyone has to answer this same question, and that is, who do you think I am? Each has to decide individually who Jesus is. It doesn't, have, it doesn't help to repeat what others say, other people say or believe. The answer must be genuinely our own personal belief, and of course, on that answer, the destiny of every human being hangs. Uh, I think that's very well said. And, and it, it does need to be personal, doesn't it? It has to be relational. Um, we, we, have to, we have to find and, and examine and reconcile the evidence that God has, has seen fit to give us. Uh, we have to think for ourselves. He wants, God wants us to come and, and reason with him, and something about that process that um, is, uh, is enlightening, is, is transformative. We have to be teachable without being gullible. Uh, he, he gives us laws, and we're free to experiment with those laws. We're free to test those laws. He leaves us free to test those laws, um, and we so that we can be convinced in our own minds that God is indeed love, and therefore He's trustworthy. It must be personal. You you can't you can't just read about it. You can't just look at it. You can't have a uh, even a scientific understanding of it is insufficient. We've been trying to pr promote the integrative evidence-based approach to the three three harmonious um, concepts: scriptural evidence, scientific evidence, and our personal experience, uh, all harmonizing with uh, with what uh, with what has been said and taught. Wendell, you had a comment. Well, that, that the devils. That Satan himself, as well as his fallen angels, they believe they know who Christ is. Sure, they do. But they don't have a relationship with him, and so 
um, just a, an acknowledgement of who Christ is is not the same as a saving relationship with him. Right. Well said. In fact, the, the, the devils, when he was on earth, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come to torment us? Okay, it's, 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 it's evident that the devils have a mistaken view of, of Christ as well. Karen. And while we understand that there's a bigger picture, the, the, the great controversy, the cosmic conflict um, that's bigger than you and me, that's mm-hmm. not all about us, ultimately it's the fact that the God of this great cosmos has elected to win over each of us, us as well as the uh, non-earthly beings. The universe needs to be convinced because the fact is God is greater than, than Satan and that at any point that is a done deal. But to win our hearts over was the choice of the Trinity to win us into relationship. And that's why this is so big. The rest of the universe, we understand, is convinced at this point. It's for us now that he wins us over mm-hmm. to the uh, trust. I, again, well said. Now, think about think about all the species of animals on this earth that go extinct at any, any given period of time. Um, human beings are a species in God's entire universe. And he has decided not to allow uh, human extinction. He loved human beings that much that he said, "I don't want them to. I don't want them to die out. I don't want them to to go away and become extinct forever." So this is what we must do. I think so. The word privilege. He gives the privilege to get to know him. It, we think that it's must, and each one must have uh, that personal decision. But what an honor to have the, the creator of the universe and his son to, to want to have a personal relationship with you and show you what unselfish love looks like is a privilege. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Sunday's lesson, uh, again, entitled The Son of Man. Uh, the lesson does a great job of, of compiling some scriptural support uh, concerning uh, you know, for Christ's you know, Son of Man des- designation and the evidence of him being fully human. Uh, in the bottom section, it asks, why is it so important for us to know that Jesus was fully human? Any thoughts? Well, what does it matter that good Christ is fully human? Or, or does it? If we require healing as human beings, that obviously means that we you know, have, have some shortfalls, that we have uh, weaknesses. And so how can you... Um, how can you relate God to the weaknesses of humanity without, you know, recognizing his divinity first and then recognizing the difference? Okay. If part of the challenge was that Satan was saying it's not possible to follow you, you make, you make this too difficult, nobody can do it. Then again, I appreciated Tim's statement about no uh, manufacturer default uh, in the design. That yet it is possible um, to be able to respond and live in harmony with God's unselfish love and, and that out there. And so having Jesus come down and show us what true, wonderful, pure, unselfish love looks like in full action. Um, Confirm no manufacturer defect in the, in the design. Okay, that's good. That's one I hadn't thought of. Just to add, uh, to me it means that the healing process that we need and that is so readily available to us is much more meaningful 
you know, in the fact that we are that we are fallen, and yet God, you know, has come to us in His perfection. These are all great points. I'm I'm looking for some a little deeper. Did you have a comment? Well, I think this Jesus wants to show us, you know, as He was a human, to show us this, the same way that He was connected to the Father. As long as we are connected to Him, you know, we can overcome sin through Him. And once we're not connected to Him, it's easy for Satan to take control of us. You know, once we sin, we break this relationship with Him. So when we read the Gospel, you know, we see this connection. You know, the only morning found Jesus in prayer to the Father, you know, to strengthen Him to help us. So as long as we keep connected to Him, to Jesus, on a daily basis, moment by moment, in what we do, this is what helps us. Okay, good. Um, you know, I, it is certainly important to know that, uh, you know, he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, referencing Hebrews 4.15. That, uh, that helps us. Um, it's important to know that he is interceding with us and for us along with the Father, not, uh, not interceding to keep us uh, from the Father or to keep the Father from destroying us. Uh, it's important to know that he got tired and hungry and lonely and sad uh, however, we in our class here we have we have delved deeper into this about why it's important to understand that Christ was fully human. Human. Um, so have we developed the character of perfection within the human being, not within he already had that his godlike side. Okay, good. As a human being, he had to do what Adam failed to do. Adam was created perfect and failed. So there had to be a living person who, in their in the human ability, could uh, live out the character of perfection within a human and die unselfishly to to create the gift that he gives to us, which is an understanding of a perfect life, the total unselfishness of God, and then be able to give that to us through the Holy Spirit. When Christ says, you know. Uh, he will take what is mine and give it to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a character he developed through human, a human life. Good. Okay. Now we're now we're heading down the path that uh, I had uh, a tread. Um, how important is it for us to know that Christ suffered the indignity and the torment of Calvary and and the days leading up to it entirely as a human? Okay, knowing full well that he had. All power in heaven and earth, and you're referencing John 13, 2 through 4. He had the power to stop it. You know, not with the not with the word, not with the phrase, just just with the thought. He had the power to make it in. Saying, you know, Lord, all right, Father, I'm tired of this. These guys, these guys don't get it. I'm done. Could have happened. He didn't have he didn't even have a thought. Didn't even have a thought to stop it, and he allowed evil men in confederacy with with devils to uh, to take his life. Okay, ponder that for for a while. Think about think about you know Tim is giving the analogy of someone was holding your head underwater, and you, your your respiration and breathing reflex starts kicking in, um, and you had a knife in your hand. And, and you could physically stab him and make it stop. What would you do? 
I'd be stabbing. Okay? Christ didn't stab. Without even pondering it. I mean, I don't even know that there would be a... I'd be wrestling with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No wrestling. Okay, stab, stab, breathe. You have Gethsemane where if this, if possible, let this cut pass for me, but if this is the way, then let's, you know, sustain and, and uh, let's go for it. Absolutely. There was war going on in his, in his mind and in his body. That those, two, those two antagonistic principles that we've talked about at length in here, the survival of the fittest, versus, uh, you know, uh, infinite love. That they were a war, and love won. In, 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 in humanity, in fully, human, in fully human. To me, that's, that's, I believe, the most important uh, thing to, to take away from uh, the, the idea, the fact that Christ is fully human. And, you know, again, getting back to um, her point about... Um, there was no manufacturer's defect. There was no there was no defect from the beginning. Adam and Eve were created perfect, and they um, they traded that perfection for the belief of a lie. Uh, is is also a strong point, but um, the idea that, that Christ wrought out perfect humanity according to a connection with his a continuous connection with his Father. And by choices and, and living in compliance with uh, the law of love, the way God, the life was designed to operate, he restored the nobility of character and purpose in humanity. And now, and in, in addition, he now had to he had to he had to develop that gift, and now he has to offer it. He, he had to he had to secure a remedy for us, not just restore God's character in man. Yes. This is a little extraneous thought, but I love the Astronomy Picture of the Day website where you can see what we're finding out through our telescopes. Mm. And recently, in, in 2014, they, they set the telescopes out there, and they are still finding um, galaxies 5 to 10 billion light years away. Oh, 5 to 10 billion light years across. Yeah, well, yeah, these super galaxies are, are colossal. They're, they're, they're staggering and, and, and yeah, to, con- to we conceive. We sometimes don't realize the magnitude of where Christ came from. Right. His dominion over a galaxy that we can still only see 5 to 10 million, billion yeah. light years away. I can't even fathom how far light can travel in that distance. And they're still finding galaxies that far away. Mm-hmm. And this is the God who rules over all of that right. that allows us to kill him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. Talking about how Christ allowed man to kill him when man totally rejected him and everything. I get that. Mm-hmm. And what his mission was and everything. But I think what I struggle with is when we go to apply it to our lives, uh, historically growing up, you always hear the scenarios like, okay. Someone is breaking into your house. Are you going to, and that that person has the intent to rape your wife, mm-hmm. murder your her, your kids, and annihilate you? Right. Are you going to kill them if you have the opportunity or not? Right. And uh, these kinds of scenarios would always be put out. And what I was always, you know, I guess the message I always got was. If you're a good Christian, you let them kill you all because, and you don't hurt them because 
well, you're going to be in eternity, and he needs another chance to get there. <laughs> you know, and yet yep, at the I same remember. time, mm-hmm. look at all the times in Bible history that God actually had his people take action in self-defense. Mm-hmm. And isn't a first responsibility to your family? And would even me as a wife, if somebody was trying to kill my husband and I had the opportunity to intervene, Mm -hmm. I think now I'd do it. What if that someone was your child? The person that was attacking was my child Mm -hmm. and was attacking us. Yeah. Puts things in a different perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that, that's the... I know, exactly. That's the, uh, you know, Tim talks about a conversation he had on a plane. Uh, he he was sitting next to some guy, and they got they got talking, and, and this, this exact subject came up. You know, if someone's breaking into my house, I, I'm, I'm getting my 9mm off the nightstand and blowing away. And Tim said... Yeah, well, what, what if what if that person is your son? And the guy ponders it, and he goes, "I don't like you very much." <laughs> <clears throat> this is the problem that this is the problem that Christ was confronted with. We were all we're all his children. The Pharisees, the Roman the Roman centurions, the people that drove the nails in—they're his children. You know, the, 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 the heathens that were attacking the children of Israel, they're still God's children. But and people got to you in charge to protect your own family. That's right. The difference is that love does what's in the other person's best interest. Always, okay? God is love, so he's going to do, you know, he has, the, he has the benefit of being able to read hearts and minds. He has the benefit of being able to see the future. He has the benefit of knowing, you know, whether whether the heathen tribes uh, have a chance of salvation, whether whether they are going to turn from their evil ways in the future. And we we don't have that we don't have that uh, that capability. However, if in the scenario I gave you, if if your own son is is you know holding a gun to to a family member's head. And you know it's because of the influence of some drug or alcohol or, or whatever or some chronic depression. Um, you know, not blowing him away might be in his best interest. In some cases, shooting your own son may be in his best interest or your other's best interest. And that, that's that's not a that's a decision that you know. God forbid we ever have to face that. Yeah. You know, I was just—I was just reading a passage in Luke, um, you know, studying for this, where, where Christ is talking about—I I can't quote it. Uh, he's talking about—you um, know—they're asking him about, you know, recognizing the the time of the end, and he tells his disciples, you know, you know, stock your money bag and, and or, or sell your cloak and buy a sword. And you know, right before they take him to Gethsemane, he's he, you know, they they're they're wondering about you know, do we we don't have any weapons? And one one of the disciples says, "We have two swords." And Christ says, "That will be enough." Uh, and you know, Christ understands the reality of living on Earth, and and the the apostles and the disciples that escaped Jerusalem before um, before Rome fell or before Rome invaded and destroyed it. 
They might have encountered burglars. They might have, you know, the, the hills around Ju- Judea and Jerusalem, they were, there were lots of thieves and burglars. And they might, they might just have decided uh, to, to rob someone and say, oh, no, he's carrying a sword. Let's wait on the next one. So, you know, the idea of, you know, Christians carrying, carrying weapons and arming themselves, and, and um, that's a personal decision. I just found out this morning that the, the General Conference has, has passed uh, a measure forbidding weaponry on, on in church grounds and church property. Something to think about. So I, I, don't, I, I don't know whether I answered your question or gave you more. But it, but it is, it is it's deep food for thought to think about being confronted with that choice. And, and having to make a decision, what is in that person's best interest that's holding me at gunpoint or knife point or has threatened my life or my family? Okay, we hear stories all the time of, of you know, there was, there was an escaped prisoner in Atlanta, I don't know, four or five years ago, who, who um, you know, broke into a woman's house while she was there and, you know, held her at gunpoint. She fed him, talked to him, uh, I think started reading some scripture reading him some scripture, and eight hours or so later, he, he turned himself in. And this guy was a hard case. This guy was a you know, death row uh, type. So you never know. You just, you just pray for wisdom. And I have, Lord forbid I'm ever confronted with that decision. Yes? The question boils down to, I think, do, do we trust God? Yeah. I mean, everything that happens in this world... We know that God allows it. Not that He, you know, He could prevent it, yes, but there are things that are allowed in our lives, and do we trust Him with the outcomes? With the outcomes. That's another good point. Yeah, I often don't trust Him with the outcomes to try to manufacture that myself. Monday's lesson the Son of God. So we've gone to the Son of Man, the Son of God. Again, the lesson does a great job of, uh, you know, of organizing and compiling some uh, great scriptural evidence uh, confirming uh, Christ's divinity. I'll ask the same question. We, we, we've, we've fleshed out how and why it's important for us to recognize that, that Christ was fully human. Why, uh, why is it important to recognize he's the son of God, fully divine? That's the only way he could accurately reveal God's character. He knows God. Everybody knows him, you know, a person. Do we, do we not think an angel could have come and revealed God's character? But the accusation was against Christ. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. The, uh, I think an angel could have come and revealed God's character. But what would have said about God is that God's willing to sacrifice one of his created beings uh, to do his own work. And they would not have been able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Correct. Make your point again. That the accusation was of God's character, and only God could reveal, through being of Christ, what his real nature is. Right. My my understanding is that Satan, or Lucifer, alleged equality with Christ. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the allegations were... That, you know. Well, not only with Lucifer and the fallen angels and all the other heavenly beings, 
but I think we started really misunderstanding the character of Christ. Try reading through the Old Testament, just a perusal, quick perusal, and see what your impression of God is. Right. You know, and I think a lot of people in the in through history have gotten that impression of God mm-hmm. and twisted it in a lot of forms. But in any event, Christ came, I think, to set the record straight. This is who I am, that God, and I am showing you what I'm really like. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter where you took this information and ran with it, this is what I'm really like. Then it's our part to try to look at Christ's life and then look at the Old Testament through those eyes and try to understand why God might have done what he did, which seemed uncharacteristic of a loving God. Right, right. But we were totally misunderstanding God. Any other thoughts? Is, isn't it important that, uh, that we acknowledge that Father and Son were in unity of character and purpose and mission, methods and unity of law? Yep, unity of heart. Even the unity of wrath? You know, As we understand wrath, yes. An interesting thought just came to me, and I hope it's interesting to someone else as well. You know, they talk about substitution, you know, in, in the uh, sacrifice cross. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, if it hadn't been God, we would be ha- unhappy with the fact that he substituted someone else. As in, weren't we important enough for, for him to actually show up versus sending a rep? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'll follow that. Uh, did, uh, God set this rule to start with, with the choice in the Garden of Eden. So it was his rule, his choice. That restoring from his son, it had to be to God because that was his rule to start with. So in order for Christ, and it was a voluntary thing to restore us to that, the payment, if you want to call it payment, was to God because he set through to start with. I'm not sure I agree with that. We disobeyed his rule. In order to make it right, we have to pay him. Well, um, I'm saying it wrong, but the... To restore us to where we can be with him forever, Christ died voluntarily. But the rule was said that somebody had to die by God the Father. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that he imposed a, a rule that someone had to die. God, I believe that God created... Earth, solar system, the rest of the universe, for that matter. But you know, at at the time that we understand creation, you know, Earth, all that's in it, sun, moon, and stars, air we breathe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he created to, to operate around a certain design parameter, a manufacturer's recommended uh, design, and. To, to comply with that design parameter means that life will exist. To, to not comply with that design, that design parameter means eventual death. So, um, you know, when God said, there's a tree of which thou shalt not eat, nor even touch, 
he's he's telling Adam and Eve that that's going to be out of out of harmony with with my design. Eating that fruit will be you'll be out of harmony with with the way life operates. Um. So I I I, I kind of I kind of don't don't. I don't agree that that God just manufactured an arbitrary rule. No, it was arranged our choice. He's giving a prediction. In the day you eat of this, you'll begin to die. In other words, because you've changed your relationship with me, and now we're not connected. It's not saying, okay, I can dump you to death. It's more like, when you do this, when you jump off a cliff, you're going to die. Uh, I hate to say that, but, you know, this is the choice you're going to make. And yet we look at it as an arbitrary rule, but that's recognizing that when you change your relationship from a trusting relationship with him to a non-trusting relationship with him, that means death for you. And he's saying it to his children, you know, so he doesn't really want them to do that. And he's predicting what will happen when they do. But we've taken it as a sort of mandate, you know, uh, okay, you do this, you're dying. Yeah, an edict from a a Roman-type emperor. Uh, In addition, something you said, God said, don't eat it. Eve was the one that said, no, and he said, don't touch it, too. He he just said, don't eat it. Mm. She expounded on what he said. But the the thing that God said was just don't eat it. All right, I see lots of hands. Um, (laughs) We'll start. Wendell, did you have your hand up? It's it's not an opposed rule. Okay. Yeah, I I agree. Correct. Yes. It seems to me that that's what this whole thing is about, that Satan accuses God of being arbitrary. He made a rule. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, he, and, and if we buy into that, we're running right along with him. Correct. Lori? We have talked about that the tree was placed there for character development. What we just talked about took place during Christ's life. I don't know that he desired us to have a Gethsemane experience there, but the tree was there so that we could work through the very same issues that Christ worked through at Gethsemane and defeat the antagonistic principle mm-hmm. of is, is it self or is it others so that they could develop a perfect character in the garden as well, yeah. and that was the design. Correct. Exactly. Yes. I mean, the, the eternal question is who do you trust? Who do you trust? And so in heaven, whenever the lies were told about God's character, the question is, who do you trust? And in God's law of liberty of love, and being able to open that up to everyone having the ability and power of choosing, then some chose to believe Satan, some chose to believe God. And here in the, the, the earth and the design of it, there had to be the opportunity to choose to trust. Therefore, the tree was there so that they could choose to trust. No, I don't want that. I trust what God says. But he honored that, that power of choice, and he values that so much that he put all of the, the universe uh, at stake here with, the, with our choice, being able to show his, his ultimate liberty law of love. This is also something to, to deeply ponder. Um, think, about, think about a time before before dishonesty before lying okay we've we've all grown up understanding it with, with almost a dna it's written in our dna that that 
Some things are true and some things are not true. You know, we understand it from a very early age that there, there are two different, there's, there's truth, there's not truth. There's honesty, there's dishonesty. Think about a time before there was dishonesty. How would you recognize it? How would you recognize a lie? Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no frame of reference. Everything you've, these angels in heaven, everything they've heard in their entire existence has been truth. And yeah. This is coming from number two. Yeah, number three. Yeah, it's coming from a covering cherub, a very trusted member, the first of all creation. You know, when all the angels, when when the rest of the angels are created, there's God, there's Michael, you know, the being we know is Jesus, there's Lucifer, and you know, every one of them had told them the truth up until the point when they didn't, when one of them didn't. And think about, I mean, you, we think about how, you know, we go through some cognitive dissonance when we have to deal with dishonesty. And think about, think about the, think about how un, unstable things got in heaven with the angels when they, they had no frame of reference. You know, God's telling them, Satan's not telling you the truth. Satan's telling them, God's not telling you the truth. Who do you believe? So God, all God, the only tools at God's uh, disposal are, truth and love and freedom so he said okay i'm I'm gonna have to give you some evidence to support that uh that what i'm telling you is true a hand yeah i love what everybody is seeing here because what it is saying to me is how thoroughly satan has misrepresented god because just on even the tree within christianity he still has so misrepresented God. Absolutely. Because just even on the tree, the comments here about that. What was the perception that we always get? God put the tree there to see if he could trip them up. Yeah, it was an arbitrary test of obedience, just like the Sabbath. It's an arbitrary day. It's a test of our obedience. Yeah, it's it's a it's a doctrine of devils. I make one point on your yes on your uh, idea of congruity here. The the uh, the fact is that I, I don't really like the idea that there was nothing. Let's you know in an absolute sense to compare truth and, and falsehood, because say for instance with with uh, our currency, you know the Secret Service people, those anybody who really knows have to study the genuine article. They have to know exactly what that bill is supposed to look like. All right? And so there is a true test of congruency in the original without any departures or tangents or, you know. There is here on earth. I'm talking about before before the first lie ever got told. I'm talking about heaven, too. So, in other words... Something's not quite right about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there had to have been a thought. Something's not quite right about that. Yeah. This doesn't jive with what I know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure the, you know, the angels, when they heard, they heard things like that. And you know, my understanding is that it was, it was very subtle. It was incredibly subtle, the, 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 the eventual deviation from um, you know, truth versus uh, lies. But 
the cognitive dissonance that they they must have endured it was is staggering to think about. The kids uh, almost hear it, and kids talking together, and you've got the loving parent that's saying, "You need to be home by nine o'clock. That's your curfew." Because I and the thought behind it, and what they've tried to train them is because I love you and I want your safety. You have the freedom to be able to go and do, but be home by this time. And then you get have a peer group saying, "You have a controlling parent." Mm -hmm. You know, they must be doing that because they're a control freak. Uh, when they totally miss the heart behind the the. Instruction. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I want to move on a little bit. We're still on, uh, you know, the Son of God. Um, getting back to Christ and God being in unity of of purpose and character. Uh, consider this: how how many when Christ was here on earth, how many people did He condemn to hell? How many did He compel to listen to Him or to obey what He taught? None. How many did He put to death? How many laws did he impose while he was here on earth? None. Okay? This should give us some insight into character of God. Since Satan's attack on this creation, the witness, the universe has witnessed mankind out of harmony with God's government. They saw the image of God virtually obliterated in man's mind, and the image of Satan was written there. Might there have been some some angels or other intelligent beings thinking that even though Christ displayed incredible power in the creation, his government was actually represented here on earth via mankind operating out of harmony with it. Might they have wondered that God and or his son were provoked to anger, they might be wiped out. As we consider these questions, think again, why is it so important that we recognize Christ as the son of God? Uh, yes. If Christ is God, then there's no reason for him to appeal to the Father for us. <laughs> yes, I agree. Because he is God, and he is, if he truly is God, and he is for us, then God is for us. Right. Like Romans 8, you know. And so um, this whole thing about Christ interceding to the Father for us, it's with the Father for us. Yeah, I, I agree. I, well said. Tuesday, uh, see, Tuesday's lesson, Christ's Divine Nature, Part 1. Um, the lesson references the passage in Luke 17 through 25, 17 through 26, where Christ heals the, the paralytic. And, uh, you know, he first tells the man, your sins are forgiven. And then all the Pharisees in there start thinking, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And he reads their mind and confronts them on this and, and says... And again, you think about the symmetry of of him. I mean, why didn't he heal the guy first and then tell him his sins were forgiven? Because the way he did it carried more weight. It was it was it was tailored that way perfectly. Because he confronts him. What's easier to do? Tell you your sins are forgiven, or to tell him to take up his bed and walk? Therefore, so that you know that Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. Walk. Now, for those of you who have ever dealt with spinal cord injury patients, are, are there any? <clears throat> not, not only do they have decreased or absent uh, impulses from the spinal cord coming, but when the muscles, de when the, the muscles deteriorate so much that um, from the lack of uh, nervous input, fat grows in 
where the muscles should be. So they have a, 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 a muscular atrophy and fat investation in there. So the, even, even if they somehow miraculously did get spinal cord uh, restoration, the muscular system uh, wouldn't function the way it was originally designed to. So the miracle of, of taking someone who's been paralyzed and having them stand up and walk a normal gait uh, is, is astonishing. Nothing short of miraculous, right? Yeah, exactly. No serial casting involved. No, yeah, no serial casting, no gait training. Yes, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's beyond my comprehension. Yes. I wanted to go back to the comment Dr. Moses made about there's no point for Jesus to intercede for us to the Father because he was God. I just wanted to know, you know, I think it's John 17 when Jesus prayed for his disciples. Who was he praying to and what was all that about? I mean, you know, since he's God, you know, he prayed to himself. <laughs> or, or praying, is the word praying, you know, what is it? Well, okay. Again, because Christ was a consummate teacher, he saw through time, he knew that his words would be, would be recorded. He knew, that, he knew that scripture would be developed, you know, New Testament would be written. Um, he, knew that, he knew we'd be having this conversation today. Uh, he was able to, you know, to see the future. And, and I, think, I think he said that prayer not only for the benefit of the disciples, but for the benefit of us, you know, down through the ages to have read that and, and be encouraged by those words. And, and, and um, you know, they read the, the whole entire Gospel of John uh, is 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 filled with with references to uh, equality. You know, Christ and, and the Father are one of character and motive and purpose. And Wasn't he, he praying as a human at that? Exactly. I mean, he was living yes. a human life. Yes. So he was praying as a human would need to pray to God to talk with him to invite him in. So that God is not a God of imposition. God is being invited in to be able to open up and and speak to each heart and have his spirit move. Yeah. I, both great points that I had neglected. Yes. Well, I was just going to point out the last two paragraphs of Monday mm -hmm. talks about the functional and who he was and how he acted out certain things as a human. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I in studying for this lesson I it really it really hit home about how how eloquent and how um how wonderful a teacher he was. I mean I, I've I've learned over the years to use different techniques with patients to get them to you know, do their exercise program or, or do the stretching or, or comply in some way with the laws of health. And that learning experience has come at the expense of being wrong a lot of times. You know, I've, I've tried to employ the wrong technique with the wrong patient, and it's come back to bite me. You know, Christ never did that. He never – he got it right every time. And this is just – uh, you know, staggering to think about. Um, at, the, at the bottom section, uh, yeah, we should probably end with this. It says, um, uh, actually it may be a third paragraph or something like that. Jesus claimed the divine prerogative to forgive sins. He also said that he himself will sit on the throne of his glory and judge all the nations, deciding the eternal destiny of each one, something that rests on God's authority alone. How much more could he have done here to reveal who he really was? My, you know, I had some red flags go up. Um, will Christ actually judge all the nations deciding the eternal destiny of each one? 
And he told the he told the Pharisees, "Your own words will condemn you." So, uh, wouldn't it be better? I I think it's more accurate to say that that you know, Christ will accurately diagnose the the nations and provide a, a diagnosis or a prognosis of you are healed, you're healthy, or you're terminal. It, it the, the, this this indicates that you know he will he will decide the the. Uh, the fate, I, that, that sounds arbitrary, and I uh, therefore reject it. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made in sending your, sending your own son to uh, reveal your character and to reveal his character and to reveal Satan's character and to die uh, for for us to provide a healing remedy for us and for the free gift of that remedy. And we ask, um, we invite you in, um, understanding that the uh, coercive pressure is not found in your government, ever. Please continue, uh, please continue the transformation that uh, has occurred in my life and those uh, in my, in, within the uh, sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.